So, what I wanted to do today is something we haven't really done for a while in this class, is to go through some of the Rashi, uh, Rashi in this week's Parsha, with the um, explanations of the Rebbe in Asicha. Happens to be the in the cycle of this week's project, Lukat Asichas. And also, just recently, they published a book called Bechadre Terasecha, which is um, basically communication between the Rebbe and his secretary, Rabbi Leibel Groner, um, in Torah topics that the Rebbe discussed, and he would ask the Rebbe questions, and the Rebbe answered, and went up and back. So on this particular sicha, there is such, um, there was a few up and backs between the Rebbe and Rabbi, Rabbi Leibel, and um, so I thought it would be nice, and it's a, it's a sicha that has, uh, it's a beautiful Rashi sicha with all the, qualities of the precision and genius and innovation of the Rashi Sikhas and also a very interesting uh, lesson. So, before we get into the actual Sikha, we're going to do some background. Um, in Parshas Tolois, I'm sorry, in Parshas Vayetzei, We have the story of Ruvain going to get the, I believe they're called mandrakes for his mother. And, um, you know, we'll get back to the mandrakes later if it's, if it's necessary. Let's start with the Bilbali Tsui Aviv. So what happens is, um, later on, after, after, in Yishlach, after Rachel dies, So we have the story known as Bill Bill Yitzhue Oven. Oh, thanks. Yeah. We have the story known that Reuven was Bill Bill Yitzhue Oven. What does this mean? So let's see what Rashi has to say over there, which is in Parshas or Yishlach. The Pasuk says like this, He bishkun Yisrael be'eretzahi, when Yisrael, a.k.a. Yaakov, was living in that land, Vayelach Reuven and Reuven went, Vayishkaves Bilha Pelegesh Aviv, and he lay with Bilha, the concubine of his father, Vayishma Yisrael, and Yisrael heard about this. And then we have a Piskob Emsoposok, a new paragraph in the Torah, which usually only happens at the, in between Psukim, but here we have a gap in the middle of a Posok, there are a couple of other exceptions like that. Vayyuvene Yaakov Shneim Osar, and the tw- children of Yaakov were twelve. And then it lists them, B'nei Leah, B'chor Yaakov, Ruvain, the children of Leah are, number one, the B'chor of Yaakov, which is Ruvain, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, etc. So what's going on? It says Rashi. Yishkaf, the Pasuk says that he lay with Bilha. So Rashi says that it doesn't actually mean that literally, but rather, he messed around with reorganizing Yaakov's furniture, Yaakov's bedroom furniture. Mal Therefore, the Torah considers it as if he had slept with Bilhah. Why did Reuven do this? Why did Reuven start messing up? After Rachel passed away, so we know that Rachel was that Karasabais, he was Yaakov's primary, she was Yaakov's primary wife. Now, so that means that uh, however exactly the sleeping arrangements works when you're talking about a, a polygamous family, which uh, we don't really know much about nowadays, but there was one place where Yaakov usually was, and that was in the, play, in the tent of Rachel. So now when Rachel dies, who should be next? So what Yaakov does is he, puts, he, fixes, he fixes his permanent uh, location in the tent of Bilha. Now Bilha is the concubine, the maidservant, which was originally Rachel's maidservant, and later on Rachel brought her into the marriage. <coughs> now here, Ruvain is very insulted on his mother's behalf. But Ruvain, so Ruvain comes, Vitava Elbin Imoy, and um, sort of demands the for the, uh, the the humiliation of his mother. If my wife's, if my mother's sister, namely Rachel, was Tzara, which we translate as a sister-wife, okay? The concubine of Rachel, Bilha, should be competing and win Yaakov's attention more than my mother. So, and therefore, 
he mixed them up. And what that means is he took Yaakov's bed out of the tent of Bilha and placed it in the tent of Leah. So he was interfering, yes. I still don't get why this Avera is compared when they say he laid with Bilha. He didn't lay with her physically. He did not lay with. He was moved the furniture. So, to me, it's a lesser of Aira than he Of course, it's a lesser of it. Well, let's see. Says, let's see. Let's see in a moment what Rashi says. Forbidden to lay with your father's wife. Well, he wasn't forbidden to lay with because she wasn't his father's wife. She was the father's concubine. But let, let's see in a moment what Rashi says about this. Okay. So then the puzzle continues that Yaakov had twelve children. Um, so uh, I'm jumping a couple lines. I'm saying we're in the middle of the story. Ruvain is with Bilha. Okay, it doesn't mean it literally. It means that he interfered. And then suddenly we're saying, and, and in the middle we have a gap, but it's still the same puzzle. Can we say, Yaakov had 12 children and the first one was the Bukhair, Ruvain? How, how? It seems like a non sequitur. Says Rashi. Our rabbis teach us that this is coming, this is coming to, to teach us. Shekulon Shavin, Vukulon Sadikim, Shaloi Chata Ruvain that they were all equal, all the children of Yaakov were on equal footing, um, they were all righteous, and this obviously means that Reuven did not sin. Now what it means that he didn't sin is that he didn't actually um, sleep with Bilha, right? So that's what the Pasuk is coming to tell you. <coughs> Reuven, quote-unquote, by Yishka Bilha, he lay with Bilha, but actually Yaakov had 12 children who were each on equal footing, so that teaches us that it doesn't literally mean that he lay with her, it merely means that he... Um, figured that he interfered with the furniture which is like Mark says, certainly not as bad as a, not as big a deal but <coughs> nevertheless something which Yaakov takes offense to you know, don't mix it ok, now then it says B'nai Leah, who are the children of Leah, B'chor Yaakov Ruvain so we refer to Ruvain as being the B'chor of Yaakov says Rashi, two things. First of all, even at the time of messing up, of Kilkul, we still refer to him as a Bechayr. Right? So Reuven remains the Bechayr. Bechayr, then Rashi continues, Bechayr Yaakov means Bechayr l'nachalo, Bechayr l'avaydo, Bechayr l'minyon. We're referring to Reuven as the Bechayr in regards to three, three things. Number one, Bechayr l'nachalo, that he is going to take a double portion when the father passes away. When the father passes away, the Bukhari takes a double portion of the inheritance. Bukhari la'avaydah. A Bukhari for service. Now, here, we're going to get back to this later, so pay attention closely here. Bukhari la'avaydah means that for the avaydah of Karbanis, for the service of Karbanis, he is still considered the Bukhari. Now, we know that the Bukhari is... That, that the service of the Karbonis is given is 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 done by the Kohanim. But here we're saying that it was the um, first the the Bukhari that as far as the Avid Karbonis is concerned, which was still done by the firstborns, remained with Reuven. We're gonna get back to that in a minute. And f- finally Bukhari Minyan, that he is the first one to be counted. Whenever we count the Shvatim, we always count Reuven first. The Bechayra was only given to Yosef as far as the Shvatim is concerned, that Yosef is split into two tribes, Menashe and Ephraim. So with regards to everything else, Bechayra Laveda goes to Ruvain. Bechayra Laminyan goes to Ruvain. Even Bechayra Nachala, taking a double portion, also goes to Ruvain, with the exception of double portion of counting being counted as two Shvatim, that goes to Yosef. But I guess... When Yaakov passes and we split up the assets, Reuven gets double. Right? He actually did, or... And it was only given to Yosef... Sorry? He actually did, or he was only supposed to? I, I presume he did. Seems like he did. All right. So that's Rashi and Parshish Vayishlach. Now we turn to... By the way, just to show you one example where you see that the Bechirim were doing the service before the Kainim... If you look at the end of Pasha's Mishpatim, it talks about the um, the carbonus that would being um, offered um, in the in, in uh, at the time of Matan Torah, and there it says. 
Yishlach has Nani B'nai Yisrael. Moshe sent the youth of the Jewish people, and they offered up um, burnt offerings. And the Yisrael B'chuzvachim Shlom Nashem Parim, and they brought sacrifices to Hashem. So Rashi over there says, Nari, who are the youth that Moshe sent to do the Karbanas? Habacharis. It means the first ones. So here we see, um, uh, hundreds of years later, that Ruvain, um, that the firstborns, represented by Ruvain, are doing the Avaidah. And it's only after Matan Torah that it was switched to being done by the Kohanim. After the, uh, after the, not just after Matan Torah, after the, um, after the Mishkan was set up. Right? Okay. Now let's turn to this week's parsha. This week's parsha is Yaakov giving the blessings to his children, or the, we could say, maybe not the blessings, but the, the, the farewell messages. Um, and if you take the bagels that are in, not the labeled bagels, are more fresh. So these psukim are written very cryptic, very poetic, and unlike the rest, it's like the shira. There's certain sections of the Torah, B'Shalach, Hazino, the brachas over here, and a number of other places where nothing is just one word. Everything is like an, allu- an allusion to something and very cryptic. So, his mes- Yaakov's message to Reuven is as, as follows. Reuven, Reuven, you are my Bechir. Koichi, my strength. Veracious only, the beginning of my strength. Yeser, Seis, more carrying. Vyeser, Oz, and more power. Did anybody understand anything? No, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, good. Pachas, Kamai, Maltesar. Um, rushing like water, you will no longer, you, you will not have um, the, you will not have um, these extras. Because you went up on the bed of your father, you desecrated my bed. Alright, so quite terascriptic what's going on over here. So let's see how Rashi unpacks it. Now, by the way, you see from the end over here that whatever exactly it means, we'll see in a moment, Yaakov is still let's use the word bearing a grudge, at the fact that Reuven interfered with his, with his um, arrangements. arrangements. Okay. It says Rashi like this. Um, not going to go through all the Rashi's, just the ones that are relevant to the topic we're discussing today. Yeser se'es. Now, se'es means to carry. Yeser means more or extra. So extra carrying, Rashi says, means that you, Ruvain, were um, scheduled to have extra carrying. What does extra carrying mean? So carrying is related to raising the hands, which is something which we call duchening, is called Nasiyas Kapayim. So Ruvain, you should have, you were scheduled to have gotten this extra benefit of being the kahuna. Of being, the, the, but because, so that's what you were scheduled to have. So the extra carrying means you were supposed to have an extra thing alluded to by carrying, which means raising the hands. But yes, sir, us. You were also scheduled to have extra <coughs> power. Now, the word us specifically refers to the royalty, the monarchy, because we find the pasuk, okay? So basically, Ruvain, let's paraphrase now this pasuk based on the way Rashi's explained it. Ruvain, you are my bechayr. And you were destined originally to have the kuhuna come from you and to have the monarchy come from you. Now, we know that that's not the case anymore, right? The monarchy went to Yehuda, and the kuhuna goes to Levi, right? From the tribe of Levi. Mm-hmm. Why are you not getting it anymore? So that's the next pasuk. Pachas kamayim al Because you behaved in a way that was pachas kamayim, that was quick like water, maybe we would paraphrase that as or freely translate it freely as to meaning um, impulsive you behaved impulsively like water which flows powerful Altoisa therefore you will no longer be getting these extras because you desecrated you know you interfered with my arrangements all right now sorry about furniture yeah yeah all right now let's skip to Pasukhes, where we go to Yehuda. Now, mm-hmm. basically, Yaakov criticizes Reuven, he criticizes Shimon, he criticizes Levi, Reuven, Bechari, Yehuda, Atta. So now, Rashi says Yehuda is like, okay, never mind, I'm not interested in this. He starts <laughs> withdrawing, and, Yehuda, and Yaakov calls him back and says, no, I have something good to say to you. And he says like this, Yehuda, Atta, 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 Yehuda
Then he says like this, Gur Arya Yehuda. Yehuda is a cub and a lion, so a baby lion and a lion. Miteref Beni Alisa. One second. Miteref Beni Alisa. From... Miteref means from... Like Trefa, from attacking. From attacking... Now, there's two ways you can... Tearing, tra- right? Tearing, right, okay. So there's two ways you could translate this. You could either put Miteref, comma, Bani Alisa, or you could say Miteref, Bani, comma, Alisa, which would mean either from tearing my son, you excused yourself. In other words, you, my son Yehuda, you excused yourself from tearing up Yosef, because Yehuda tr- saved him. Or you could say Miteref, Bani, from tearing up my son, comma, Alisa, okay? Basically the same idea, just a question if the word Bani refers to Yosef or refers to Yehuda. Perhaps we'll touch upon that later if there's time. Um, but you excuse yourself, you saved yourself from being involved in this episode of tearing up Yosef. Um, and therefore, we continue to skip a few words, continue in the next Pasuk, that the monarchy and the leadership of the Kali will always be from the Shevet of Yehuda, including till Mashiach comes. Right, and then it goes on for more and more Pesukim. Now let's see some of the Rashi's over here. Okay, so first of all, the cub and the lion refers to First, he was a cub when Shaul was the king, so he was not yet the leader, but nevertheless, he was the leader. He was the general in charge of bringing in and out, supervising the Jewish people. Okay, but later he actually became the king, so then he became the lion. So that's the cub and the lion. Okay. Miteref. Um, now, here Rashi adds in some things which doesn't seem to be in the Pasuk. Miteref. When the Shavatim first bring back Yosef's blood-soaking coat to Yaakov, and they show it to him. Yaakov exclaims, Tarif, Tarif Yosef, Yosef has been torn apart. Achaloso, an evil animal, has eaten him. Now also I think Rashi says that the bad animal alludes to the wife of Potiphar. But here Rashi says that the bad animal refers to Yehuda, because Yehuda is compared to a lion. So when Yaakov sees... Yosef's blood-soaking coat, he suspects Yehuda of being mm. responsible for it. And now Yaakov is telling him, B'ni Alisa, that you saved yourself from that, suspe- that suspicion, because as we later find out, Yehuda says, we'll see those took him inside in a moment, Yehuda actually saves Yosef. Now Rashi now adds in another thing which doesn't seem to have any allusion to in the Pasuk, but the Rashi adds this in. And similarly, when Tamar is killed, sorry, when Tamar was was was, was being taken out to, ki- to execute to kill, Yehuda admitted that he was responsible for Tamar's pregnancy, and thereby saved not just her life, but also the life of the two babies she was carrying. And therefore, in the merit of these two things, namely that you, tr- that you saved Yosef and that you saved Tamar, in the merit of those two things, therefore, you'll get the bracha that's in the next Pasuk, which talks about the success of the reign of David and Shlomoy and the, the general, the, the Yosef Shevet Miyuda. Okay, so that's what's going on in Pasha Zechi. Now, before we go to the problems with these Rashis and how we can address them. I want to also read some more Pesukim. Okay, Parshas Vayeshev. Parshas Vayeshev, Parshas Vayeshev. Actually, one second, I need to look at Tobus. See, I, I think by looking at all these different Sukkim and Rashis, um, before we get into the details, then it will flow much uh, smoother as we do so. Okay, so... Ha 
How old? It's flavor. Yeah, I wasn't prepared for that. How old? It's better if you just have vodka. I thought maybe there was like sugar in the bottom or something. I didn't realize. In the, in the cup. How old was Yaakov? Well, what we're really trying to get to the bottom over here is how old was Yehuda? No, sorry, how old was Ruvain when Yosef is old? So we know that Yosef is 17, right? The person says that explicitly in the beginning of Yeshev that he's 17 years old. So he's 17 years old. So how much older is Ruvain than Yosef? So he's got to be, um, well, Yosef is born at the end of the 14 years, of the first 14 years. Or is that the end of the 20 years? One second, let's see here. Uh, hold on, hold on, we'll see in a moment. Hold on. Right. It has to be you after know, four. If, if, the, if the brother is so much older than like the other brother, he's like a father. He's not even like a brother anymore. He's like a father. Well, I know that. He's got to be at least seven years apart. Seven? He has to be at least, I'm saying. Right, because anyway, I, the truth is, I, I neglected to make the whole cheshbon before the class, and I'm not, not going to do it all right now. But okay. if I recall correctly, the cheshbon comes out that it was a minimum of nine years older. Right? <coughs> minimum. Of nine. No, sorry, not. More, more, I'm sorry. It was a minimum of nine years. It was much more than nine years. It was a minimum of nine years from when Rachel dies until Yosef is sold. Right, because. Yosef, Rachel dies when she's... The question is, how much older is Yosef than Binyamin? Because Rachel dies when she gives birth to Binyamin. Now, Binyamin is born while they're traveling, and they've already stayed six years after Yosef is born. If I recall correctly, the Cheshman comes out about nine years, whatever it is. It's a good number. The point, the point, the main, the main point that's relevant is that between when Rachel dies and Yosef is sold, there's a good number of years passing. Eight, nine, possibly more. Okay, that's what you need to and know. And that would mean that Binyamin was at least nine years old yes. when he was told. Yes. Okay, now. Um, so basically, they have the whole episode with Yosef dreaming, and then his father sends him to Shechem, and then he goes to Doisan, and they try to kill him. So one says to his brother, Rashi says this is Shimon saying to Levi, Rashi doesn't say it here, he says it elsewhere. The dreamer is coming. Let's go and kill him. So the original plan, so you have to pay attention. The original plan is that they're going to kill him, and they're going to take the corpse, and they're going to take the corpse and drop it into one of the pits. Okay? And he saves them. He saves him from their hand. Let's not kill him. Reuven Reuven says to them, don't kill him. Drop him into the pit, but don't kill him. Now, the re- so what he's essentially telling them is that instead of killing him and putting him into the pit, you know, don't do first degree murder, do second degree murder. In other words, just leave him, there, just leave him in the pit. And as Rashi says later, it wasn't just a pit; it was a pit that had infestation of snakes and scorpions. So his chances of survival there were pretty slim. Um, so essentially, what Ruvain at face value is telling them is drop him into the pit. And don't don't kill him directly. Let God take care of it. Right. If you, if you but the Pasuk adds another word, Laman what Ruben's intention was that they would look away and he would come back and save your take Yosef out of the pit and save him. So I guess Ruben um, was confident that he would be able to save him from the pit before um, before he before the snakes kill him. Okay. Okay, so that all happened. One second, one second. Now then, this is all. This conversation all happened before Yosef came. Then, by Yosef, when Yosef arrives, so they take him off. They they they, 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 they remove his special coats from him. They throw him, take him, and throw him into the pit. And the pit is empty, but there's there's no water. Rashi says there's scorpions. Okay. And then they sit down to eat, and they see a caravan of. Um, Yishmaelite merchants coming from Gilad, and now Yehuda pipes up. Yehuda's been silent until now. And Yehuda says, My bet what, what is the gain? And Rashi says, what, what money can we earn from just 
letting him to die and 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 sort of denying any involvement. Rather, let us go and sell him and make some money out of it. And also, we won't. In other words, there's this kind of two twofold message. Number one, we can make some money, but also, like, let's not actually kill our brother. We could do better than that. Okay. So, indeed, they take Yosef out of the pit and they sell him for 20, gold, 20 silver coins and they bring him to Egypt. Now, Ruven comes back to the pit. And Yosef is no longer there, and he rips his garments. Now, where was Reuven? Says Rashi, because, in the second interpretation of Rashi, he was busy, he was distracted, because they were all busy. What were they doing after they sold Yosef? They were eating. eating. He wasn't participating in the meal, because he was busy. He was busy, preoccupied, with his sackcloth and his fasting. To atone for the fact that he had interfered with his father's sleeping arrangements. Right? Now, important to remember, we said this is a good number of years later, he's still busy with it, he's still doing teshuva. Okay, and he comes to his brothers and he says, You know, what have you done? Alright, and then they go and they take the, they, they take the coats to, to Yaakov, and Yaakov, we're told originally, um, has some suspicion that Yehuda is responsible. All right, we know the rest of the story. Now, additionally, at the end of Parshas Miketz, at the end of Parshas Vayeshev, no, Miketz, when they are caught with the goblet in Binyamin's bag, Yeruvain says to them, I'm sorry, it's earlier on. It's the first time they leave and they open their bags and... Um, where is it? Sorry, the first time before they open the bags. When, the first time when, when Yosef tells them you have to go and bring Binyamin and he arrests them and says, you're all going to stay here and I'll send one of you to go get Binyamin. And then they sort of status quo and then on the third day Yosef says, you know what, okay... Instead of keeping all of you here and sending one to get Binyamin, I'll keep one of you here and send all of you home. Take your provisions home and just bring back Binyamin. And they're getting very upset. And Reuven says to them, I told you so. I told you. And you didn't listen to me. Okay. Yeah. Now, so okay. we have all the background we need to analyze the relevant rushes over here. So... The first thing that strikes is that Rashi says, Ruben Bechari out of Kerichim Rishos Aini, that Yaakov, that Yeruven was destined to have two things that he did not, that he ended up not having. What are the two things he was destined to have? Kuhuna and Malchus. Now the truth is that there were three things, and um, it's alluded to in the pasuk because it says Ruben Bechari out of the Bechira, right, the, and. All the Mefarshim, Chazal, the Mefarshim, all talk about three things. In fact, even right there on the page we have Unklus, which Rashi takes very seriously, whatever Unklus has to say, doesn't always agree with him, but he always takes him seriously. And he says, You were destined to have three things, the firstborn, the Kuhuna, and the Malchus. So why does Rashi only talk of two of the things and not of three of the things? That's the first question. Which we have to address. So, what was the third? The, the Bechaira. Now, we already said before that the Bechaira, that Reuven did keep the Bechaira, Rashi said that in Mayishlach, right here, that he did keep the Bechaira as far as a number of things are concerned, but the Bechaira was taken away from him um, vis a vis the being counted as two separate Shavatim, and that was given to Yosef. Mm. So, why does Rashi omit this? Now, the truth is that Rashi has a very good reason to omit it, because if you look at the Pasuk, um, it says, look, listen carefully to the words, Reuven Bechariyata, Reuven Yuab Bechariyata, you are destined to have yeser, ace, extra 
Seis, which means kuna, lifting up the hands, which refers to the kuna. And yes, at Oiz, you were destined to have extra strength, which refers to Malchus. Pachas kamayim altoisu, but because you behaved, um, what did we translate that as? Impulsively, Al-Toysu, you will no longer have these toysar, it's the same root as yeser. You will no longer have those extras. So in the Pasuk, it's clear that the two of the three things, Kuhuna and Malchus, are referred to as extras, and we're telling Yehuda you're not going to get the extras. Bechaira is not referred to in the Pasuk with that description extra. Mm. So Rashi is tr- true to his um, approach in general. We're not copying Chazal, we're not copying Unklus, we're not copying anyone, we're just going with Pshutish al-Mikra. In Pshutish al-Mikra, it seems clear that we're referring here to the extras, and the Bechaira was taken away from Ruben, but that's not what we're talking about here, that was not an extras, that was something that was his birthright, right? It was taken away from him partially, but it wasn't an extra thing, it was part of, it was part of the original. Now, the truth is that although that does answer Rashi, um, all... All, all that does is move the question from Rashi to the Pasuk. Okay, so Rashi is translating the Pasuk, but in the Pasuk of why does Ryakov, in his final remark, in his departing remarks to Ruvain, choose to focus on those two things of the, of the Kuhuna and the Malchus, on the Marnaki and the Kuhuna, but not on the Bechira? Why is well, yeah, why is he only focusing on the extra things that, that like those things that are considered extra? Right. right, as opposed to the other thing that he lost, which is the certain elements of his bechor. Exactly. So, Rashi alludes to this um, with, with the pasuk alludes to this, and the next pasuk, and the pasuk is why are you not getting? Why are these things being taken away from you? Because pachas kamayim al because you behaved impulsively or in a rush. Hapachas v'habahola, the rush and the panic which you behaved with, like the water, that's why these thing, things are being taken away from you. Haste makes waste. Haste makes waste, perfect. So, that could be the title of the class. Haste makes waste. All right. Make a note of that. So, that's going to go on the YouTube. The title of the class will be Haste. All right. Credits to DYG. Or hastily. Those are the two words that are Okay. Now, so the point is like this. When we talk about what did Ruven do wrong, Right. He was interfered. Let's talk about the first thing he interfered with. The main thing he interfered with his father's sleeping arrangements, right? There's two aspects over here. One is that he interfered with his father's furniture, okay? The other is that he acted impulsively. We're not talking here about the detail of the thing that he did wrong. We're talking here about the quality that he was lacking. He was lacking the quality to slow down, take a deep breath. And think about what you're doing and whether this is a good idea. We act impulsively. We may, when you act impulsively, you may have a very good reason to be angry, hurt, or whatever the emotion is, right? We're not discounting that. We're not discounting the validity of your feelings. We're discounting the effectiveness of the steps you're taking. Is it actually... It wasn't effective, right? What, what, what did he... What did, what did, what did Ruben... Um, attempt to accomplish. He wanted to sort of reinstate his mother to be the primary wife of Yaakov. Well, that didn't go down too well. It didn't work, right? Ruben did not take, you know, maybe if he would have sat down and had a DMC with his father about this, maybe some there could have reached some sort of compromise. I don't know, right? But all he ends up with is that he's upset his father and nothing more. Right? So, the problem isn't so much what he did, the problem, at least at the Pasuk, referring to his pachas kamayim, is the haste makes waste element of it. Now, what's the difference between kuhuna and malchus? Sorry, between bechayra and malchus. Bechayra, firstborn, is a quality that the person himself has. Right? There's a lot to be discussed. What is it about being the firstborn that gives you that quality? Is it because your parents are experimenting? You're the guinea pig, or whatever? There's all different approaches. <laughs> yeah, and when uh, when my I made a kiddush a few months ago for my daughter, so Rabbi Prero came, and he told me he shared the story of three different people who said to him three different things about when he became a father of the three different approaches to why. But whatever it is, we're not going to get into that right now. The point is that there's some quality of bechira which is a personal. Uh, what, what, sort of compensation or whatever, however you understand it, that the Bukhari gets, right? That, there's no reason why his haste should take that away from him. 
But malchus, leadership, that's where haste and acting impulsively is 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 in contradiction to malchus. You can't have a good leader who acts impulsively. Especially if the bechor is something like you just hinted to, that's something that is that that is deserved automatically by dint of the fact that you were a bechor and that you suffered the consequences of being the firstborn and they experimented on you. It's not like you acted hastily; you're going to lose it. No, that's something you inherently deserve. The other thing is, no, you have to have the qualities that um, are commensurate with being a king, right, and being royalty. We need good leaders. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so that's just like the One situation s- where the present government in Israel, most American Jews don't like it. They think it's too right wing. Oh. Same too with the Kahuna. We say that Reuven lost the Kahuna. What's the idea of Kahuna? So if you look throughout the Torah, there's two things about Kahuna. Number one, which is alluded to here, is raising the hands of Birchus Kayanim, is again their interaction with others being and also the the, the, the leaders, they're the teachers of Torah. They're the ones who teach Torah. Right? We find in Mishpat in a number of places we find the Kayanim being the Levim being the ones to teach Torah. Have a Muslim is in. Right. Now which aspect, and this is the next thing, and this is actually mm-hmm. one that I mentioned before, that some of the details of this discussion come from the Rabbi's conversation with Rabbi Groner. The Rabbi adds over there, which aspect of the... So, but, but, but the Kohuna was also... So, so again, we've got to split this into two. There's two aspects. There's what Ruven did wrong, and there's the fact that he a- acted impulsively. Right now we're focusing on that he acted impulsively, and for that reason, two things were taken. Kohuna... That's your interaction with the, with the people around you, teaching Torah, paskening Shilas, and Malchus, being a leader. Kahuna, that wasn't because he acted impulsively. Kahuna was taken away from him. Sorry, Bechaira, the, the, the firstborn, that was taken away from him, not because he acted impulsively. That was taken away from him because of what he did wrong. But, as we saw before from Rashi, he didn't really do anything that wrong. He didn't actually, um, as the Pesach might have implied, lie with Bilha. He just interfered. So because he didn't actually do anything that bad, Right. Therefore, Rashi says over there that we didn't take away the bechayr from him completely. We just took away one aspect of it. That Ruvain, that Yosef is the one who has two shvatim, but all the other aspects of bechayr, of having a double portion, of being, um, of, of 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 being counted first, and of our voyda, we'll get to in a moment. Those all remained with Ruvain. Now again, it says here the bechayr of avoda. Now, when we talk about bechayr avoda, that later became to the kainim, right? One of the aspects of Bechayra that Ruvain retained was the Avoida, the service, that they could bring Karbanis. Now, we saw that happened in Pashas Mishpatim by Matan Torah that the firstborns are the one bringing Karbanis. Later on, that was morphed into part of being the Kahuna. But that aspect of the Kahuna, even though Kahuna was taken away from Ruvain, that aspect of Kahuna, to be, to be able to bring Karbanis, that he maintained, because that's not something that relates to other people. That's just a privilege I have. I could bring karban, it's fine. But that doesn't relate to other people. So there's a very clear divide. There's the first, there's the punishment, so to speak, or the consequence for the actual act that he did. And that is, it wasn't so bad what he did, and therefore a small element of his Bukhari was taken away from him. But the main aspects of Bukhari he maintained, including those aspects of Bukhari which touch upon Kahuna. But which aspect of the Kahuna, the aspect of Kahuna which is not pertaining to other people, but just pertaining with your privilege to be allowed to offer Karbanis? But then there's the bigger problem over here. The bigger problem is his haste makes waste, his impulsi- impul- impulsiveness, impulsivity. 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 So for that, we take away his Kahuna and his Malchus. Hmm. Now, who gets it? Who gets the kahuna? So, well, who gets the malchus? That we just saw. Sorry? Yehuda. So, Rashi says two reasons of why Yehuda gets the malchus. Um, Rashi says two reasons of why Yehuda gets the malchus. He says, first of all, um... We did the Rashi before. First of all, because you saved Yosef, right? Yehuda said, "Ma betza, what money are we going to get?" He saved Yosef's life, and secondly, you saved the lives of Tamar and the twins she was carrying. Um, 
Amen. Now, what's puzzling over here is that both of the again, so you, you, Yehuda, uh, uh, Israel. What are the qualities over here, right? Yaakov is telling Yehuda you have two qualities for which you are going to get the Malchus. What are the two qualities? The first is that you saved Yosef's life. And the second is that you did Teshuvah. Mm-hmm. Right? The first you saved Yosef's life, you said Mabetzah. <coughs> and secondly, you did Teshuvah that when Tamar confronted you, you said Tzad Kamimani and that saved your life. Okay? Now, L'Chaira, how could these possibly be the two things which make Yehuda deserving of Malchus? Reuven did both of those two things better than Yehuda. We're saying we're taking it away from Yehuda because he acted impulsively, sorry, from Reuven, because he acted impulsively, and we're giving them to Yehuda because he has these two qualities of saving Yosef's lives and being Teshuva. Surely, it appears, that in both of those fronts, Reuven is much better than Yehuda. First of all, first of all, in saving Yosef, Yehuda... He didn't really, all he did was say, okay, like, oh, we, can, we can make more money by selling him. Okay, he added also, you know, uh, we shouldn't kill him, but certainly <coughs> an emphasis was he wanted to make money off this, right? Um, in fact, we actually find that um, that the Shvatim later blamed when they, when they actually hit home how upset Yaakov was, um, which you might say, oh, well, duh, what were you thinking? But okay. Um, they, um, maybe they were all acting impulsively somewhat. Um, they said to Yehuda, right, says, and he goes the whole story with, where he marries the Basish Knani and the whole thing. They, Rashi says that his brothers demoted him. Is that a word? Demoted? Demoted him from his, posi- from his position because they said, you told us to sell him. <laughs> Had you told us to... To to to, um, to 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 save him, we would have listened to you. Now, I don't know if that actually represents the facts that they would have listened to him, but at least they had that taina. So Yehuda, all he did was, quote unquote, say, "Let's not kill him. Let's let's sell Take him." Ruin actually tried to 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 to, to, to save him. The man, he had this whole this whole story he was putting on, but the Torah tells us explicitly his intention was Leman if he wanted to return him live and whole to his father. One moment. Yeah. So how could we say Ruvain wanted to save his life? Yehuda just wanted to make a few bucks. And we're taking away the Malchus from Yehuda, Ruvain, and we're giving it to Yehuda. What's the second quality? Teshuva. Now, compare Ruvain's Teshuva to Yehuda's Teshuva. Ruvain, what did he do? You, well, let's start with Yehuda. What did Yehuda do? He impregnated Tamar with these twins. Now, there's a whole, we're not going to get into it, what exactly, why was it permissible, Yibum, whatever it is, right? The bottom line is, he was, co- it's true, he could have saved his life by saying, just throw into the fire, and the, we would never know about the whole story, right? But, I mean, you've got to be pretty, um, uh, a pretty sociopath to do that, right? You see a pregnant <laughs> woman with two kids being about to be burnt at stake, you know that you're responsible for that. I mean, yeah, you know, kudos to Yehuda for doing it, but we kind of expect any decent person to, to, to own up, to own, to, to own the story, right? Okay, we're not taking away. It's an amazing thing. He did it. Good. We're very happy. But it was something that he was, quote-unquote, forced to do by the circumstances, and B, it was a one-time thing. It's not coming money. That's the end of it. Ruvain, first of all, nothing forced him to do Teshuvah. He was doing Teshuvah on, on himself. And as we said, so many nine years later, he was still... Bu- he didn't even do something that bad. All he did was interfere with the furniture. Rashi says, we quoted before, Ruvain didn't sin, Rashi says. It wasn't really such a bad thing. But, nevertheless, all these years later, he was still busy fasting and praying and doing Teshuvah for what he had done. So who's the real hero of Teshuvah? Ruvain or Yehuda? Seemed like Ruvain. So how could we say that Yehuda's... Okay, we understand we have to take it away from Ruvain because he acted impulsively and you can't be a king if you act impulsively. Okay, but how could we say that the Ruvain Yehuda gets it is because he was good at Teshuvah and good at saving Yosef. Well, on both of those fronts, Ruvain was better. By the way, on that that point about Ruvain saving Yosef, Yehuda would not have had the opportunity to save Yosef if it wasn't for what Ruvain did. Yosef right. would, already, would have already been dead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So your whole, the, the whole reason why you were capable of doing this was because of Ruvain's efforts to begin with. So okay. here, 
Right. So, so, so here, so this is the beauty of this whole thing. Again, we're not talking here about Ruven's shortcomings as an individual. We're talking about his shortcomings as a leader. And when you're a leader, what matters is results. Mm. <laughs> right? It's true. Ruven tried better than Yehuda on all of these fronts. But Yehuda succeeded better than him. Ruven tried to save Yosef. But did it work? It didn't work. Mm. And after Ruven left, they were still planning to kill him until Yehuda tells him, what are you going to kill him for? That, so it's, it's explicit that after Ruven left, they were still planning to kill him. And Ruven says, I told you not to kill him and you didn't listen to me. Right? In the case. So yes, Ruven was the best at making efforts on Yosef's behalf. That's amazing when we're talking about Ruven as an individual. But when we want to know who has the qualities of being the leader, that's the person who may have made less efforts, but whose efforts translated into results. Yehuda, yes, he said money, this and that, but... At the end of the day, Yehuda is the one who delivered. But what kind of results? Influence. Right. Right, because he actually changed the, the, the perspective of his brothers. Exactly. Right. Now, the exact same thing goes with, with Tamar. Right? Um, one second. Yehuda did teshuva for Tamar. Okay, it wasn't such a fantastic teshuva. It was kind of forced by the circumstances. But at the end of the day, what happened? He saved her life. He saved the life of the twins. And he, and he in fact, bore the ancestor of David Habach, right? What, is, what did Yehuda's, what did Ruven's teshuva accomplish? Well, first of all, <laughs> Yaakov is still upset at him. Yaakov Yaakov still says to him, you know, you messed up. Uh, Yaakov still bears a grudge. But more importantly, his preoccupation with Teshuva is what ended up not saving Yosef's life. Oh, yeah, if he hadn't been so busy fasting, like get over yourself. <laughs> if you hadn't been so, been so busy fasting, you would have actually been there to save Yosef's life. So yes, again, we're not blaming him. It, you did your best, right? But you didn't deliver. And not only didn't deliver, you shot yourself in the foot by being too busy doing teshuva. Hmm. That's what shows his lack of leadership. He yeah. makes the yeah. wrong decisions. Now, this is also, I mean, could be attributed to kind of an, a, a, an emotional problem, meaning... Too much emotions, I mean. Well, we said he's impulsive. Right, there's the impulsiveness, and then there's being harping too much on, you know, beating yourself down, you spending all these years doing it, and while you're doing it, you miss an opportunity. So you need to have, like, that balance of emotional uh-huh. and the and the, the seichel, like, you know. So it doesn't become indulgent. Yeah, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I'm saying it's, it's a pachas kamayim is kind of related to Right, this, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Okay, I want to get back to that in a moment. I just want to finish off with another couple points. Um, to make things better, then that's not a good thing. Exactly. So, the, the, the lesson the lesson that we take out from this is very, very much up the, the, the Rebbe's alley, so to speak, right? <laughs> that, yes, it's important to do Teshuvah. Of course, Reuven was doing amazing things. But we have to recognize that our responsibility to be leaders, I mean, this is, this is you, as you can imagine, anybody who ever, Jonathan Sachs, Jesse Jacobson, yeah. everybody yeah. takes the Sikh and go, you know, makes beautiful out of it, right? But, the quality that we need is for you to be a leader and sometimes being a leader means to forego on what's better for you as an individual right now and of course we don't just mean for you as an individual on a academic or career or financial or even on a spiritual level and you're becoming close to Hashem sometimes it's important to forego on that and be attentive to what do, what, what does the world around me need, need, need from me 
right now more than what does I how can I become better a better Jew yes I think it was Dan Quayle who said I think it was Dan Quayle who said what happens okay he was running for vice president and it was a debate and they asked him what happens when what is the first thing you would do if the president gets shot and I think he said I would say a prayer or something like that first I would say a prayer and they jumped all over on that. Do you remember that? Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I think it was. <laughs> was I was a little bit. Dan Quill <laughs> got slammed on. That was, that was a big one. And they, they said, that's the first thing. One of the did. many differences between Ari and me is that Ari, know, Ari knows who Dan Quill is. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, that's okay. about the Queen of England. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think it's so, a... Uh, I think it's on pause. No, it's, it's on pause. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Anyway, so uh, I just finish off over here. There's a. I'm sure you can read this. Yossi Jacobson has a whole article on this, and he, as Yossi Jacobson does, and he, I think he even credits Jonathan Sex or his mom is all the great minds. Uh, <laughs> He says it's from Covenant and Conversation by Yigash. I, I don't know. I, could, I couldn't find all these sources. But the point is, he adds another whole element, another whole story to this, which, again, I don't know if he made this up himself or if it's in a different sicha or maybe it's somewhere in this sicha in the footnotes that I didn't notice, whatever it is. But he goes on about the whole story with the mandrakes, that there again we find Reuven acting impulsively and um, that... So I think he brings a mandrake that he basically he should have waited to give the mandrakes to his mother when Rachel wasn't around anymore, and not get involved in the whole thing. And again, there his efforts didn't help because what he was trying to do was somehow appease his mother and get his mother and his aunt his and Rachel and Rachel and they to get on better with each other. But at the end of the day, that also doesn't work out all that good because you know it just causes more friction. So again, we see in there. Ruben having good ideas, but not always the execution um, in his leadership abilities and in his impact on the people around him was the quality which he was lacking, and that's why Yehuda um, gets that.